0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. John the Baptist came out of nowhere at a time when Israel was an occupied country. They were occupied by the Romans. There were Roman soldiers in the streets, there was a Roman governor who was uh, in Jerusalem as the authority. A once proud people were occupied, um, their country was occupied and by an empire that was centered more than a thousand miles away. And it's hard to underestimate or undersell the strength and brutality of Rome. And for many of us, it's very difficult to get our heads around, not because of time, but because of geography. We live in a place where uh, safety is... Um, It is relatively secure, where we don't have soldiers in the streets. Um, Most of us don't have bars on our windows, though in some places there are. But there are places in this world, Cuba, Saudi Arabia, Syria, where people, children even, wake up and go to sleep with with armed conflict, with soldiers around them, um, with a sense of the real brutal force of a government. I was uh, looking this week, this young girl, uh, Banna Alaved, I think is how you say her name, seven years old, She's she uh, has a Twitter account with 200,000 followers. She lives in Aleppo, and she tweets about things that seven-year-olds would talk about, losing teeth or whatnot, but also about bombings and about hospitals that are destroyed and uh, friends of hers who have died. John the Baptist is in Israel, not in a war zone, but in an occupied country. It was a place where where this sense of the overwhelming force of Rome was right in the face. There was no Geneva Con- Convention. There was no limits to the brutality of military action. And so if a young man was to pick up a rock and throw him at Roman soldiers, they would be chased down and beaten to death. There was There was no due process. And one day, you know, this rumor starts about this guy who's preaching out in the wilderness. And he's not afraid of anybody. He says all kinds of things against the government. He, he's um, he 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 calls out a king for living in an adulterous relationship, calls him out by name, in fact. He rejects false piety and, and cheap religion, and, and so he's he's kind of has this following. People want to see him. They they kind of want to go out and hear from him. He he looks hideous. He wears um he wears homemade clothes made out of uh, of camel hide. Um. He, uh, he eats uh, insects, and wild honey lives off the land, there's not much to eat. He's not just a novelty, though. John is a throwback kind of preacher. He's an old-school, fire-and-brimstone preacher. And people haven't seen this for a while, and they're kind of excited to go out and see this fellow. And he has one sermon, really, just one. Judgment is coming, and it's coming soon. This is what he says. Repent, be baptized, turn away from sin. And one day, he's out doing this same thing, this, this, um, this same sermon, preaching the same sermon, going about this same uh, sort of uh, railing against uh, injustice in the world, when Jesus shows up. And John has an epiphany when Jesus presents himself to be baptized, and that is, he, he realizes who Jesus is. And he says to him, you know, I'm not really worthy to carry your shoes, and here you come to me. And John turns to the crowd and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you know what John had to be thinking. It's time. It's finally time. All this stuff I've been preaching about is about to happen. It's, it's on the doorstep. Here comes the judge. And you know what it's going to look like. Sinfulness is going to be exposed at every level. And, and, and government corruption is going to be exposed. And they're going to be kicked out of office. And Rome, Rome is going to get theirs. They're going to be crushed right along with them. They'll be kicked out. Things are going to be changed. It's going to be different. And it's not long after that event, when Jesus shows up, that John is arrested. Seems that um, you can't speak out against the government forever without them acting. And so John is arrested. He's placed in prison. He's awaiting a, a, a fate that is, um, is not going to be a good one. He knows what's going to happen and he's in prison and some friends come to visit him in the ancient world uh when you were imprisoned um, not that you would have been imprisoned but if a person was in prison uh there was there was no like um you know uh a uh, person like Aunt B to cook for him, You know, they didn't bring food down from, the, you know, into Sheriff Taylor's uh, jail and give it to you. Instead, um, that was a reference to Andy Taylor, and if any of you missed that one, uh, uh, Archie Griffin, or, <laughs> Archie Griffin, uh, Andy Griffin show, you know. Uh, nobody brought food to you unless your family or friends brought it to you. They're the ones who took care of you. And so it's natural that John's friends came to to tend to his needs. And and here he is in prison, and his friends come, and I kind of imagine the conversation that goes on. You know, I'm sure they prayed together, you know, they ate together, how you feeling, your spirit's keeping up, you know, those sort of things you would say to a person. But I think the question, so what is Jesus doing, kind of came up what's he doing is he is he gathering a a revolution is he gathering a, an army for a revolt against rome i mean is he speaking out against the evils of the government is he calling people out on their sinfulness is he is he is he you know putting it to them is that what he's doing and i can imagine what the friends would have said well you know john um actually no he's not doing any of that um I don't know how to tell you this, uh, but he um, he goes to a lot of parties. Um, He does have one revolutionary among his group, this fellow Simon, who seems to be um, part of the uh, you know the group of band of brigands who wants to. uh, But he also has a tax collector. Go figure that one, right? Um, I don't know how to tell you this, but he talks to women in public. That would have been a huge scandal. I mean, a huge scandal. And he lets them touch him. I saw a woman touch him the other day. And he didn't, he didn't push her away or call her names or anything. He doesn't criticize the government. In fact, he, he goes to great at lengths not to criticize them. When he has an opportunity to do so, he doesn't do it. John, I don't know how to tell you, but he is nothing like you. Nothing like you at all. See, I think that conversation had to be something like that for two reasons. First of all, John sends his friends to Jesus. All right, you have a mission. Go to Jesus. Ask him a question. What's the question? Are you the one or should we look for another? I mean, are you really the one? I I don't think really was it, but I think it could have been. Are you really the one? Or should we start looking for, I mean, should we start taking in applications, you know, resumes? There's somebody else out there better uh, suited for this job. Uh, it, it's really interesting um, uh, when, when in, in Matthew's original Greek, he says they heard, that John heard about the, the deeds, the works that Jesus had done. And the works that he had done are not the ones, I think, that Jesus lists. Because what Jesus says to him is, Blessed is the one who's not scandalized by me. Offended. Scandalized. Scandalizo in Greek. The one who isn't scandalized by me. But what deeds was he doing? Well, like I said, he's befriending sinners. He's talking with women in public. He's not preaching against the evils of the government. He's not bringing judgment. There's no widowing fork in his hand. I think the only thing in his hand is Grandma's Paddle. Have you ever seen Grandma's Paddle? Yes, um, it's the paddle with a pillow on it. Yeah, um, this is no winnowing fork. Where's your winnowing fork? Where's your axe that's laid to the root of the tree? Did I make a mistake? Too much pepperoni pizza maybe the night before? I just totally missed it? I thought I had it? And Jesus' answer, go tell John what you do see and hear. And don't forget what you see and hear. The blind have their sight restored. The lame start to walk. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. Go tell him that the poor have the gospel preached to them. Go remind him what the Hebrew scriptures really say. Behold, those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs into his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. And those with young he will gently lead. Or, or what about our passage today from Isaiah 35? There will be springs in the desert, streams. There will be mercy. John, I think Jesus' words to John are these, Don't be surprised by the mercy of God. Don't be surprised by that. I know you're looking for judgment, but don't be shocked by mercy. And then Jesus turns to the crowd and he says, a totally different thing to them, right? You know this John fellow, what did you go out to see? Did you go out to see a, a reed shaken by the wind? Uh, this is an interesting uh, uh, idiom, ancient Hebrew idiom, that meant um, a preacher who would preach one thing in one place and another thing in another. That's a, That's what a reed shaken by the wind, easily moved by whatever's going on around. Is that what you went out to see, this guy who would say one thing in one group and another thing in another? And you could almost hear the laughter, right? No, come on! That's not him at all. This guy was—he was saying some crazy stuff in all the wrong places. Well, what was it then? Was it a was a man with really wearing really nice clothes? I mean, I think the, the laughter really gets going now. Huh? Have you seen him? He was ridiculous looking. I mean, camel hide and leather belt. It was—I don't think he ever shaved. It, it was no. We we didn't go out to see that either. Well, what did you go out to see? A prophet? Oh yeah. And more than a prophet. A prophet extraordinaire. And then Jesus says something that I think is one of the most enigmatic, esoteric, odd things he ever says in the New Testament. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. From Cain and Abel to John the Baptist. He's the the highest point. And yet... The least, the word micron, the, the tiniest little one, the smallest one in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's a, that's a really, I'm not even altogether sure what he means. Except maybe this. Except that maybe people who are living with the fullness of the kingdom of God among them get to experience the fullness of the power of the grace of God, to be the kind of human persons God made us to be, that we get to experience something that John, in his earthly life, never did, that we can realize that the, that the Sermon on the Mount is livable, that we don't have to judge people. In fact, we can eschew judgment because we don't ourselves don't want to be judged, that we don't have to skirt around the law or around righteousness, but instead we can embrace it. That we don't have to exploit people, but we can, we can embrace them and love them and, and care for them. That we can treat enemies like friends. And that we can live a life of mercy. See, the kingdom of heaven is not something that is in the sweet by and by. It's not something that happens after we die and we get angels' wings and hearts, though None of that is really going to happen. The kingdom of heaven is here. We get to live into eternity. That eternity begins now. That we can have the life of heaven in the here and now. That we can embrace a life that Jesus led out for us. That we can be kingdom people now. Um, Robert Fulgram tells a story, and perhaps I, I've told you before this story. If, I, if you recognize it, just feign like it's new to you, okay? Um, it, it, he tells a story about uh, about time when he was in this, um, this class, this two-week course on ancient Greek culture. And he said it was one of those courses where, you know, everything is compact into two weeks. You try to get an entire semester's worth in, in ten days, and you just get loaded and loaded and loaded with information. You've been in classes like that before, and and get to the end of it and and the professor Papadouras says to the class he says um, all right so are there any questions and folgram says there are nothing but questions you know you've got so much material up there you just can't you can't really sort it all out and everybody just wants to get out of the class and start to work through the projects and and that sort of thing and and, and Fulgram says he raised his hand and said um, yes what's the meaning to life and um and everybody burst out into laughter you know they can he was just being Silly. They start packing their stuff up, getting ready to go, and, and the professor looks at Pilgrim and he's, he realizes that this is a serious question. So he motions for everybody to stop, sit down, sit down. He says, You know, when, um, when I was a young boy, I was um, walking along the Greek uh, countryside and, and I saw this uh, army, this uh, Nazi army motorcycle that had been abandoned on the side of the road, and, and there the the, the rearview mirror was all cracked and broken beside the motorcycle. So I, I picked it up, and I couldn't put the pieces back together again, so I just took the largest piece and just kind of played with it. And, and I, I realized that I could take it against a stone, and I could kind of rub its, uh, the corners down, and, and I, in fact, made it into a complete circle. He said, and then I would take this mirror, and it was just my toy. You know, we were poor, and so I would take this mirror everywhere I go, and I'd just reflect light. And I'd I'd catch the light and reflect it into places that were dark. And I would think, well, that'd be kind of my fun game. I'll just find a dark place and see if I can get light in there. He said, you know, I I just kept my game going. Year after year after year, as I grew up into adulthood, I still do it. And and the professor reaches into his his pocket and pulls out his wallet and then inside pulls out this little round mirror. He said, "I, I realized along the way that that what was a child's game was really a metaphor for life. And that I am not the source of light. But I am a reflector of light. And my job is to reflect light into the darkest places in the world. And then he took his little, his little mirror and he caught the light. And shone it right in Fulgrim's face and on his hands. He said, I think that is the meaning of life and I think Jesus would agree in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit